few weeks ago, I created a list of my favorite birds of all time. A 12-way tie for fifth place put 16 species in the top 10. I knew I'd reconsider even as I was making the list, and sure enough, it did not take long to bump another into what is now a 13-way tie for fifth place. That happened the moment I saw a pine grosbeak at the Saxon Bog last Sunday. Part of the reason the pine grosbeak is a favorite is how extraordinary my very first sighting was in December 1977 as I walked from Russ's in my apartment toward Picnic Point, my favorite birding spot in Madison, Wisconsin. I was hearing an unfamiliar, pretty, warbled whistle and started whistling back. The sound seemed to be coming toward me faster than I was walking toward it, and when I reached the woodsy shoreline around University Bay, I saw a lovely, robin-sized, grayish bird with soft, bronzy crown and rump fly into a bare branch up ahead, looking directly at me as I whistled. It stayed in the branch as I walked to the edge of the trees. I have no idea what impulse led me to take off my glove and raise my hand, but the bird apparently was moved by a similar inexplicable impulse and instantly flew right to me, alighting on my finger. It was too magical a moment to quantify. I don't know whether the bird remained there for five seconds or five minutes. When it finally flew back into the trees, it stayed close, moseying along companionably as I walked toward the picnic point entrance. I figured, as a fairly novice birder, that this bird, belonging to a very sociable species, was lonely, preferring even an inappropriate companion to being left alone. As I became more familiar with the literature, I read in all kinds of species profiles that among the defining characteristics of pine grosbeaks are their approachability and tameness. To this day, that pine grosbeak remains unique, the only bird ever to alight on my hand with intention, making eye contact without any expectation of food or any other tangible reward. That magical moment provided a spark for my love affair with this pretty bird, but even without it, the bird's beauty and hardiness make it special. Pine grosbeaks breed in northern Maine and across a wide swath of Canada and Alaska and down the western mountains. They're found here in the Midwest only in winter. Many work their way south every year, some years more than others, and in eruption years they wander further south than their range map indicates. I still see pine grosbeaks just about every year in the Saxon Bog and used to see them yearly in my own yard in Duluth. Now I'm lucky to notice a quick flyover. I haven't seen a single one at my feeders in more than a decade until just last month. In late December, a flock of 30 appeared at two of my platform feeders and on the ground beneath for a brief and shining moment. 
The decline of pine gross beaks in my yard is just one data point, but a combination of data from the breeding bird survey and Christmas bird count indicates that populations in North America experienced a large decrease from 1965 through 2004, an overall decline of 27.6% per decade, or 72.5% over that 40-year period. Pine grosbeaks are suffering declining breeding habitat where cutting down boreal forests. For paper, wood pulp, and Canada's tar sands oil industry has decimated huge swaths of northern forest habitat. Deforestation is a major contributor to atmospheric carbon dioxide levels, so three things we can do in our personal lives that will help the grosbeaks. Saving energy, using recycled paper, especially toilet paper, and avoiding wood fiber products are also important for reducing our contributions to climate change. One would think we humans would be happy to make such minor modifications to our lifestyles to protect our own futures as well as pine grosbeaks and other birds. Unfortunately, I'm afraid one would be wrong. I'm Laura Erickson, speaking for the birds.